comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No Netflix, no iPads, no Instagram, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Episode 89, it's the season finale for Season 3, the big showdown between the Gov and the Rictatorship, and here to guide you through all of this crazy madness are my compadres, Mr. Jordan from Jersey and Mr. Brad Milo. How are you doing, guys? Sad that the season's over. I'm doing well, Barry. How are you? <laughs> That's why I get paid the millions of dollars to do this podcast every week. It's for my silky, silky voice. But uh, yeah, we uh, we had quite a, quite a season ender, um, and quite a lot of opinions about the season ender going on. Before we get to all that season ending goodness, let's uh, let's shout out our sponsor real quick, DCBService.com. DCBService.com has graphic novels, um, action figures, statues. If you're into The Walking Dead, now the season is over. We have a little bit of a wait till season four kicks in. If you want to catch up on the comics, the graphic novels. The, even in the hardcover, the compendium editions, there are a lot of ways to catch up with The Walking Dead, and they're all insanely discounted at DCB service. 40, 50%, 60% on some items, and not just uh, graphic novels. Like I said, you know, Walking Dead action figures, uh, T-shirts, uh, you, you, know, you name it, anything in the previous catalog, uh, you're going to find a DCB service at a lower cost and, and a better deal and a better service than you get with the huge box people like Amazon or, or whatnot. And if you use the code WD8 on your first order or your first order within a year from them, you get an extra 8% off. So, I mean, you're already saving 40, 50, 60%. Another 8%. I mean, that's great. That's a great deal. Uh, check it all out at DCBService.com or at their sister site, InStockTrades.com. You can catch up on The Walking Dead, get all your Walking Dead gear at a low, low price from good, good people. DCBService.com, and we thank them for their patronage. And now, on with the synopsis. So I believe we have a couple emails that came in before this episode aired, so let's let's go to them before we talk of, through the synopsis of the episode. Yeah, we got uh, one from Heather Finch. She says... Uh... Hi, guys. I have to disagree a little bit with you and many others, apparently, when you say it was very unrealistic for Rick to ever seriously consider handing over Michonne. I get what you're saying, but as a parent, I know that I would be willing to do ghastly things for even a tiny chance of saving my children if they were in danger. If you think about it and put yourself in Rick's shoes and think about what you'd be willing to do for your own kids, you might just end up agreeing with me. Uh, I would as a father of two daughters. I, I agree with you. 
Of course, Rick knew that there was a 99.99% chance that the governor would still attack them, even if he did hand over Michonne, but that teeny little bit of hope that he wouldn't, that he wouldn't was enough for Rick to really consider doing it. Herschel felt the same way when you think about it. He couldn't talk Rick out of it when Rick asked him to, and he told his girls in the last, in the last episode what I wouldn't do to keep you safe. In the end, of course, Rick realized that it was not the right thing to do, but it was completely reasonable and not out of character for him to consider doing it and even come close to going through with it. Thank you, Heather. Our next one comes from Michael Rarick. Uh, hi, this is Mike from Indiana. I really enjoy your podcast and look forward to each new episode. I find it insightful and entertaining commentary on a great show with passionate fans. Thank you for those comments. Uh, looking forward to the season finale, but also dreading it being the last episode until season four. It's going to be intense. I've been thinking of a good strategy for Team Prison. You know, the governor and his group will attack and most likely bring everyone who can carry a gun. Why not fill the prison full of walkers and leave the prison and let the governor and his group attack a prison full of walkers while Rick's group takes over Woodbury or sets off in search of a new place. It would serve the governor right to walk into a trap. Again, I enjoy the podcast. Keep up the good work. Strangely prescient. Oh, right. Yeah, I was going to say it's strangely prescient as to what actually happened. Yep. And uh, the last one is about Glory from Jason Good. That would be Ghost Glory for anyone who doesn't remember. Right. He says, I can't believe no one realized that Lori's ghost was a spirit guide. When Rick needed to talk, she was on the phone. During the first attack, Martinez was sneaking in the woods, taking advantage of the distraction. The governor prepared to snipe at the prison. Lori's ghost guided Rick in position to lay down suppressing fire. If Rick didn't send Tyrese away, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have a character witness. P.S. Everybody turns and Carl is a cold-blooded killer. Jenner was right. No, half right. <laughs> I, I mean, I think when it comes to Glory, um, us not saying she was a spirit guide probably comes to probably comes from the place that I don't think any of us, but I, I could be wrong, actually views her as really being there. It's all in Rick's head, at least from my uh, from my opinion. It's it's a conscience for him, but it's not actually real. It's not an actual spirit. But that's just my opinion. Uh, you know, your experience may vary based on your own personal viewpoint. I'm in your camp, I think. Alrighty. Welcome to the Tombs is the season three finale. That's episode 16 and the 35th episode of The Walking Dead overall. Can you believe it's been 35 episodes of the show already? I will take your stunned silence as a no. You cannot believe it. I'm stunned and silent. So the episode starts with an extreme close-up of an eye. Very uh, lost moment there. Uh, we pull out from the eye. We don't know exactly... Who it is. Well, I, I guess first we see it's the governor. I, I don't remember if it was his eye or the person he's beating's eye that we see. Um, my, It was well, the governor's eye. Yeah, it okay. was the governor's eye because for the whole first part of the sequence, you're not sure who he's talking to. At least I wasn't. I wasn't sure. You, you're seeing it from the point of view of the person he's beating, and you and you don't know until they pull back and reveal whether it's Milton or Andrea, at least in my mind. Right, right. Well, I, I had the problem of my TV remote's batteries were dead, and so I it took me a minute or two to find new batteries before I could actually get over to the channel. So by the time I got in, I already saw it was Milton, and then I didn't see the, the opening until the second play of the episode, so I was all turned around. But yes, Milton is being punched over and over again by the governor um, for you know betraying uh, betraying his plan to Andrea, for burning the pit of walkers, and, and generally not going along with the governor's craziness. And uh, Milton asks the governor... 
what would Penny think of you now? And he's, and the governor says that she would be afraid of him, but she would probably still be alive if he had been like this all along. And we keep hearing this phrase that he says, uh, you know, before it was kill or be killed, now it's kill or die. Kill or die or die and kill, which I think would be an awesome poster quote for next season. Um, just a really cool mantra, even from a madman, but still a cool mantra for the show. And while it has been very different from the version of the governor in the graphic novel, I really like the way we've kind of seen, um, you know, Phil's kind of descent into madness uh, over the season. I mean, at, at first, you know, he kind of seems like he's a well-meaning guy trying to save and help these people. And by the end, now by the end of the season, he's gone into full, full-scale raving lunatic governor mode. Uh, more like the governor that we're used to from the books. When we saw the eye at the very beginning, I thought, oh, they're showing us uh, somebody who's in the midst of changing because the eye looked creepy that close up. I thought, oh, we're looking at a zombie eye or something, but turns out, you know, I was wrong. Yeah, it was still a very, very cool image. So the governor brings Milton over to the torture chamber where Andrea is uh, still, you know, handcuffed to the dentist slash barber chair. And uh, the governor tells Milton, hey, guess what? You get to kill her. Um, and so he gives Milton a knife, and Milton acts like he's going to do it and then spins around to try and stab the governor. Uh, but the governor stops him and then stabs Milton a bunch of times in the stomach, leaves her in the room and says, hey, like I said, you're not leaving this room until you kill Andrea, and now you really are going to. And again, you know, repeats in this life, you, you kill or you die, or you die and you kill. Well, there's also the moment where he sends uh, him over to get the tools. Oh, yes, I shouldn't forget that. Of, uh, yeah, of, uh, of uh, torture implement tools that he has. He's like, you might as well take those. I won't need them anymore. And he goes and he gets the tools and he kind of clumsily drops them on the ground, but then, uh, you know, surreptitiously leaves a pair of pliers uh, that comes into crucial play later at, at uh, Andrew's feet. Right. So I thought that was a pretty cool ending to that scene with uh, Andrew being trapped with a dying Milton. It's some, you know, it's a spin on scenes we've seen before, like. Uh, Merle throwing the zombie in with uh, with Glenn earlier in the season, but it's still it's a, one of those cool scenes that we haven't seen exactly like that in the show. Where how can you make zombies a new threat? Hey, throw a dying person into a locked room with somebody who's tied up, and uh, that's a pretty good way to to bring up the tension there. Murder by zombie. Yeah, eventual murder by zombie. I just want to say in uh, in Glenn's favor over Andrea. I mean, Glenn was able to take out a walker while tied to a chair. Andrea. But it was a wooden chair, and he was just taped to it. He wasn't... Okay, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, Andrea had, you know, all of her limbs free except for one. Yeah. Well, two, but still. Two two was enough, but... So we head back over to the prison after the opening credits, and we see Rick and the prison group packing up the prison. They're loading everything into cars. Um, we see them going through their stuff, and Carl's looking at the picture of himself, his mother, and his father that he took from um, that bar-slash-restaurant uh, earlier in the season in the episode Clear. And he also looks at his dad's uh, sheriff's badge, which he's been holding on to. And so Rick goes over to talk to Carl, because Carl is, is upset about them leaving the prison. And uh, Carl ignores him. And Rick looks up at the catwalk and again sees a, a hallucination of, of dead Lori, who's again still you know dressed, not in the white dress, but she's in, in normal clothes and still pregnant, uh, looking back at him just like you saw either last episode or the episode before. Uh, Daryl's over mourning his, the death of his brother, and Carol actually praises Merle for improving their odds against the governor, and Daryl even says something along the lines of, yeah, he's never done anything like that before, and so even though 
uh, Merle wasn't there to tell him from the aftermath that Daryl saw in last episode. He was able to piece together more or less what happens and what what happened and see that Merle was really you know working in the group's best interest and he went out in many ways a hero against the governor. I'm glad we got a good Daryl and Carol moment here. I mean, we haven't had one in a few episodes with the two of them together. So, I mean, I thought this was a good one. Yeah. And we also get a nice scene of Michonne forgiving Rick for even considering the governor's offer and thanking her for allowing him into the group. And she says she understands that even though it was a terrible choice, he had to consider it. And uh, uh, like I said, she thanks him for allowing her into the group. And Rick even says, hey, actually, that was Carl's idea. So, uh, you know, thank him more or less. So back in Woodbury, the governor is assembling the troops, and that's when Tyrese and Sasha come up, and Tyrese tells the governor, hey, we know we said we wanted to help, but this is not our fight to fight. Instead, why don't you let us stay behind and act as guards for the kids and the elderly that are staying back here while you guys go to destroy everyone at the prison? Um, And then when you come back, if you've decided that that was a move that wasn't ours to take, hey, just uh, kick us out, but let us do this for here. Uh, The government walks over and grabs a rifle, and you can even see that Sasha thinks he's going to shoot them both. Uh, she starts to hyperventilate, but instead, uh, after giving them a dirty look, he he hands the rifle to Tyrese and tells him, good idea. Does he tell Tyrese, thank you? Yeah, well, th- thank you, good idea. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. It was, but, it was uh, just like a really creepy moment for a minute there, because I didn't know if the government was going to, or the governor was going to freak out and try to kill Tyrese, or, you know, tell him to get the hell out, or, you know what I mean? There was just that moment of David Morrissey just kind of looking at him. And then he just says, thank you. And it just was kind of... I was waiting for him to shoot Sasha and then yeah. force Tyrese to join or something like that. Yeah, or something along those lines. I was waiting for him to go off and he just stops and says, thank you, and then walks off. I mean, I thought thought it was a really cool moment. So the whole Woodbury group, uh, minus, of course, Ty- uh, Tyrese, Sasha, and the old, and old people and kids who stay behind, the rest of them all head to the prison. Um, they start mowing down the zombies with a, a huge machine gun mounted on a Humvee. Um, they blow up one of the guard towers. They kind of take the whole thing down. They break through the doors. They pry open other ones. They get through some of the defenses, and they find the prison abandoned. So the governor has them split into two groups, and uh, they start going through the place. They find a few more zombies. They kill them, and then Rick and his group have a, a stage an ambush, and everyone pretty much freaks out. All the governor's people who are not soldiers just start hightailing it. They're, 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 they panic. They run, they're, they're shooting into nothing, the governor has to keep yelling at them, and uh, they all run out of the prison, they get in their vehicles, and they run away with the governor in pursuit. Uh, we cut over to the woods, where uh, the group seems to be hiding in a few different places. Uh, Glenn and Maggie are still at the prison wearing the riot armor, which was a cool comic moment, um, and they're the ones doing some of the sniping. But in the woods, we have uh, several groups of the, the prison's population, and one of those groups is Carl and... Herschel, and I, I think possibly Beth, I can't remember if she was there, but um, uh, one of the people from Woodbury runs in that direction, and according to at least Wikipedia, and also the Talking Dead, I believe, said is there, this guy's name is Jody, although that's not terribly important. Um, he comes across Carl and Herschel's group, and Carl draws on him, and the guy puts his gun in the air, and Carl tells him to drop it, but instead he keeps his gun up in the air and starts walking over to Carl, and Carl makes the split-second decision and shoots the man in the head, and uh, this this will come into play later. Well, he wasn't really a man. He was probably just a couple of years older than Carl. 
to be fair. Yeah, 16, 17, because, I mean, like that. You know, Herschel even refers to him as a boy uh, later on. And uh, something else I wanted to note, too, when, when Maggie and, uh, and Glenn are, are opening fire on the governor's group after the snap, um, grenades go off and the alarm goes off and all the walkers are alerted to their presence and stuff. It didn't seem like they were taking out very many Woodburyans. It just seemed like they were shooting more for effect and to, to scare them than to actually you know, kill them. Uh, did it seem that way to you guys? It didn't seem like too many of them went down. I think it was more just to, just to keep up the panic at that point. You know, like the, the grenades had done their job. Uh, everybody was freaking out. All they really needed to do was fire into the cl- crowd kind of blindly, um, and that seemed to do the job. I didn't really notice, or you know, I don't, really don't remember thinking one way or the other. Um, it's really hard for me to talk positively about this episode, so that's why I'm being quiet most of the time. Um, well, tell, tell us why you're negative, why you're not, and well, why you didn't enjoy it. We'll get to that. Um, well, we're in it now. I mean, tell, I mean, if there's specific things going on that you didn't appreciate or enjoy, I mean, that's why we're here is to have different opinions, Brad. Well, I was going to ask you guys, and uh, this was a, a big debate. One of the big debates on our Facebook page um, was about the Carl thing. But how did you guys take that scene? Did you Did you think that Carl took advantage of the situation? You know, as we'll find out later, Herschel thinks he gun that poor boy down did y'all take it that way or did you take it like carl was doing a smart thing i was really caught off guard by it i mean we were i was even live uh, not tweeting the episode but live facebook messaging the the episode uh for our facebook uh, fans and i think my exact response was whoa carl um but i thought once he explained himself which wasn't too much later in the episode it was only a scene or two later i was like you know, that's a really good point Carl just made for, you know, a 12, 13, however, you, however old he is. For yeah, That was a really good point he made, and I think if it was a questionable decision, he was able to justify it, and to me, that's enough. I think it, I think basically he was a kid who made a bad split-second decision. Which I'm I not mean, even sure it was a bad decision, honestly. Well, maybe, maybe not. That, that remains to be seen, but it's perceived as such by Herschel and now by Rick. And I think even more importantly is the way, I mean, we see later when, you know, Carl drops this, the sheriff's star on the ground in front of Rick or whatever, about how it's not even so much that he killed the guys, that Carl is moving beyond Rick's control. You know oh, what absolutely. I mean? And I think that's even more important than the fact that he killed this other, you know, this Woodbury kid. The reason I ask is because later when Herschel describes the situation, I just thought that came out of left field. I didn't get that feeling at all. You didn't the get the feeling of how Herschel explained it, you mean? Yeah, I didn't take that... Um, I didn't see it as Carl gunning that kid down. I saw it as the very smart, level-headed thing to do uh, because he was not making overt gestures to say, okay, I'm going to put my gun down. Um, it was just really inconsistent. Herschel's interpretation of the of the situation versus my interpretation of the situation as an outside viewer. I d- it didn't sit right with me. Well, I, I can see exactly where you're coming from, and let, let's uh, go over that the, the scene where, Car- where Herschel says his piece, and then where Carl says his piece, and we can get back to it, because uh, there, there is some more to get into there. Um, after that, everybody reconvenes at the prison, of course, and this is where Herschel tells, um, tells Rick, just like you said, Brad, uh, you know, this kid was surrendering, and Carl just shot him. So Rick goes to Carl and says, hey, is, is what Herschel said true? Was this kid surrendering, and did you just shoot him? And Carl gives this uh, probably the longest monologue Chandler Riggs has given in the in the show, at least recently, anyway, um, where he says, 
whether he was legitimately surrendering or not, every single time that you, Dad, you, Rick, have trusted somebody because they said they were surrendering or because they said they were on our side or because you thought you could find a way out of the situation, it went poorly. Mom died. The prisoners died. Um... I don't think he brought up Shane, but a whole bunch bunch of people he he lists, you know, Dad, you made this decision based on your rationale, it went badly, and this decision, and that decision, and he lists about four or five of them, and he goes, just like you said, he basically drops the mic, he drops the, the sheriff's star on the ground, and says, I made the right decision, nothing you can do about that, and walks away. See, that's why I think it's even more important than, you know, the actual act itself, is that he doesn't feel any need to justify it to his father at all. You know, like I say, he's moving beyond Rick and, and Herschel's control. And I think that's really going to be a major part of his character arc in the next season. I sure hope so. Um, I was live tweeting kind of with the Walking Dead um, Twitter account. And I think my reaction to that scene that I tweeted was, I think my exact words were, damn, Carl. Yeah, uh, we were on the same page. That's for yeah, sure. um, I was shocked when he did it. I uh, was pleasantly surprised when he did it. Um, and then, but at the same time, when he starts mouthing off to his dad I was like you don't you don't talk to your parents that way and um I I thought Rick kind of let that slide um he should have done more as as a dad there but um I was disappointed with Rick's reaction to that but happy with Carl's reasoning and his explanation um you mentioned something in that conversation that Carl said this would be a really good time for me to play one of our voicemails because it's related to something Carl said. Yeah, go ahead. I think we can clear up an issue for a a listener. So here we go. Hi there. Uh, This name is James from North Carolina. Just uh, had a quick question. Just watched the uh, final episode of uh, Walking Dead um, this season. And um, at, at one point where Carl was confronting Rick about the choices he's made, it's kind of like he said something about uh, letting Andrew live and killing his mother. I was just wondering if uh, I misheard that or if uh, you might have some background on that because I don't understand the connection he's making there. Love the show. Love the podcast. Thanks. Bye-bye. I just want to jump in and say that I was also confused by that until uh, I thought about it later because it also ranked untrue to me. I was like, wait, was that the zombie who ate her body afterwards? But uh, I-, I feel like... Uh, Brad, you have to answer that question, so why don't you take um, that one? Andrew was one of the prisoners that um, we were introduced to at the beginning of the season. and um, He was the one who Rick let go, and we assumed died. And that we assumed he had died. And so Carl is basically saying that because you let him go, Dad, and didn't kill him, Andrew came back and he started that whole chain of events that ended up leading to Mom dying and so he's he's basically saying you didn't kill Andrew. Andrew started this events, these events that mom basically died at the end of. So, you know, it's your fault, dad. So that listener was was exactly what uh, Carl was referring to at that point. Yeah, it wasn't a direct. He didn't pull the trigger obviously. That was Carl, but uh the the he was the proximate cause of the events that led to her death. He let all the zombies in. I believe he started the sirens and things like that. He got the group separated, and thus uh, Herschel... I mean, theoretically, she might have died in childbirth anyway, but Herschel wasn't there to at least try to help things along and keep her from from dying. 
it definitely took me a little bit of thinking to figure out exactly what Carl meant by that. Right. So, I mean, Brad, you took uh, you took issue with how Rick handled the situation. I just thought, you know, I just thought he, as a man and a father, he should have said something to his son. You know, like, I don't know, maybe it's un- unrealistic. I don't know. I'm not being threatened by zombies all the time, so I don't know how. <laughs> he I, did have a few other things on his mind at the yeah, time. Yeah, I don't know I how mean, I'd act fair. around my kids, but I thought Rick was um, a little wussy when it came to that scene. And, you know, you know, I say this, but I think about, you know, when my children were younger, my my older daughter would uh, be mad and, and mouth off to me. You know, it got to the point sometimes where I'd I'd go, you know what, I'm just going to sit here and listen. I'm going to let her walk off and think about what she said, and then I'll address it later, you know, when I have a clear head. Maybe that's what Rick was doing. So... It's quite possible. Yeah, maybe I can. Uh, my ri- my initial reaction was, why don't you just give him a backhand, teach that kid, that snotty kid a lesson? Because Carl was being really mean, saying some mean things to his dad. And then I, you know, now I'm saying it out loud. I'm, I'm thinking of it the other way. So I guess I can deal with it that way. Right. right. And I mean, and to, I mean, to be fair to Carl, yes, he, his attitude was possibly not in the right place, but his justification of. I told the kid to drop the gun, and instead he keeps the gun in his hand and comes at me, or it comes towards me, not at me. That would be a slightly different connotation. Um, I think in many ways, even with the attitude there, Rick as a officer of the law or an ex-officer of the law, his sheriff's training would have told him if you tell someone to drop a gun who has previously been in a, uh antagonistic position to you, like this kid Jody was, if you tell them to drop a gun and instead they keep it in their hands and come towards you, that is a threat. That is a clear, perceivable threat. And shooting him is not is would not be unreasonable, quite possibly, in that situation. So, I mean, and, and you seem to agree with that anyway, Brad, even before Carl's... Um, yeah, I was totally, the, the, on, totally on board with Carl's reasoning and the way he handled the situation. Right. So I th- I think probably if I were to put myself in Rick's he- in Rick's shoes, there is so much stuff going on in that situation with Carl and the gun, with what Carl said about Rick's decision making, with the governor and with the zombies around and everything, I can see why he would be hesitant to make any snap decisions of reacting to that scene, but I I can also see where you're coming from. Um, well, you know, and, and you you have more you have more experience in this as a father than I do, of course. It's easy for me when I'm sitting in the the comfort of my of my comfy chair and you know, with a beverage and some chips, watching it with my bunny slippers on and being able to think about how I would react to it. You know, it's different. If you're in the middle of a zombie apocalypse, you're going to behave differently. Right, right. Um, I read an interview with Kurt. I'd like to say, I I really, honestly, I do not own bunny slippers. (laughs) They're zombie slippers. Nothing Nothing wrong with people who do, though. No, not at all. I do have uh, moose slippers, but I do not have bunny slippers. I read a uh, interview today with Kirkman where he was talking about the end of season three and um, season four. And this this is not spoilery, really. It's 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 only things you could really glean from watching the episode. But he says. Um, this is, of course, just a small snippet. Moving into next season, we're going to see a very different Rick, but one of the main goals is to manage the situation with Carl and see if he can bring him back from this darkness that's crept into him. Whether or not he's able to do that, we'll have to see, but this is a big change in the character of Carl, uh, but it's something that's going to be weighing heavily on Rick next season. So so I think we'll get to see more of that, um, 
Brad. I, I don't think this is a, I don't think this is just a, a scene we're never going to comment on, on again in the show. It, he will be dealt with in some way. I think it kind of informs Rick's opinion at the end of the show too, as to what he does with the, you know, the women, the children, the infirmed of, uh, of Woodbury. You know, instead of you know gunning them all down and killing them, he kind of shows Carl that you know life is more important than that, and it's you know, important to help these people. And I think that really informs his decision to bring them all back on the bus. Is you know something he wants to try to instill in Carl and show Carl that you know life has meaning. So meanwhile, back in Woodbury, we have a couple short scenes with Tyrese. Uh, who's you know, doing rounds along the walls and checking for zombies and checking in on the women and children and Sasha, etc. And he and Sasha agree that they might have to slip out when the governor gets back. They're not sure. Um, we also have scenes, quite a few scenes, it cuts back and forth a lot, between uh, Milton and Andrea, um, where he's <coughs> he's obviously dying, um, and he lets her know about the, the, um, the pliers on the floor behind her, so she's trying to get them, but they're still having a conversation to you know keep him cognizant as long as possible, because as long as he's alive, he's not attacking her. And Milton asks Andrea, why did you stay in Woodbury after learning your friends were still alive? And I, I think the subsect there would be after the governor gave you the, the very specific ultimatum of, uh, you know, if, if you go to them, you're staying there. But she came back after the uh, negotiations. Um, and she explains pretty much what we, we... I mean, we had gone back and forth of it, but what we had uh, guessed, which is that she wanted to save everyone, even the governor, for a while. Um, and she thought that if she kept down this path, she could you know, be the peacemaker, she could bring everything to a peaceful conclusion. Um, but she was just simply wrong. Not very good foot dexterity with uh, Andrea. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we catch up with the governor, who is chasing down uh, the Woodbury soldiers, and I use soldiers lightly, of course, but who ran away from battle. Um, he tracks them down, he blocks off their, their exit, and uh, he gets out to talk to them. And most of them say, hey, this was crazy, we should just go back to Woodbury and leave the prison group alone, which is uh, a reasonable decision. Um, and that's when the governor grabs his styre, I believe it's a styre assault rifle, and uh, he shoots almost everyone in the group, including Alan, thankfully, because that guy was getting on my nerves. And the only people he leaves alive that he knows of are uh, Martinez and what it says on Wikipedia is Schumpert, but even on Talking Dead, they just call him the Bowman. Um, Never been given a name in the show, as far as I know. Um, So those three drive off, and we find out that another member of the group is still alive. She was hiding under one of the the people who was shot. and that is Karen, who we met all the way back in the beginning of the season and have seen a few times here and there. But uh, so she, she escapes with her life. Yeah, it's funny, though, because the governor goes through and shoots everybody in the head. Um, but then sees her laying there with a, a, you know, a corpse on top of her and she's holding her breath, but doesn't shoot her in the head. Well, he ran out of bullets. Yeah, that's only because he ran out of bullets. Oh, I see. But it's it's an ironic that the governor kills way more of his own people than than Rick and his crew did with their ambush. Oh yeah, he he lost it at that point. My favorite moments from the episode happened in this scene. One was an editing thing, and one involved uh, Martinez and the other guy. When uh, I'll do the second one first. When the governor gets back in the car, in the truck, and he looks at them outside the passenger door, and he motions to the seat like get in. You can, it's almost like you could hear the two of them going, I'm not sitting there. I'll get in the back. No, I'm getting in the back. You sit in that seat. That was pretty funny. Reverse shotgun. I called reverse shotgun. Yeah. And then, um, I got a little chuckle out of of that. And, uh, the other thing I really liked was right before the governor 
loses it and starts shooting, the audio in the uh, in the mix got really muffled and it sounded like you know when your ears start ringing, you just everything kind of fades and but it, that one ringing noise gets louder and louder. They had a really nice effect in the audio mix with that. Yeah, like he was losing it and just getting angry, and all he heard was this anger building up inside his head and then he lost it. I thought that was a really nice touch with the audio there. Yeah. So back at the prison, Glenn and Maggie offer to help guard the prison in case the governor comes back. Um, and Rick decides he's going to go finish off the governor's forces at Woodbury. Um, and he takes Michonne and Daryl with him, uh, the, the mighty trio. And they come across the, the roadside in the field where all those people from Woodbury were killed, including some that are, have already come back as walkers. And they also find Karen, who's been hiding in a truck. Now, something I wanted to ask, all, like, the, the three of them were going to go take on that whole big crowd of people. They just ran off their property. I kind of, because uh, they were like, you know, Glenn and Maggie were like, well, we'll stay here and guard them. I'm like, okay. So that leaves Daryl, Michonne, and Rick. So three people are going to take, I mean, if, if what happened with the governor hadn't happened, say, and the, the forces had made it back to Woodbury, I mean, did the three of them really think they were going to take on that many people by themselves? Yeah. Well, after seeing all those people run away, possibly. That made absolutely no sense to me either, Jim. Is it possible that they were just going back for Andrea? It reminds me of that scene in Star Wars where Han Solo and Chewbacca are running at the stormtroopers and chasing them away. <laughs> and then they turn a corner and there are like way more stormtroopers than were before and they have to run away in turn. I mean, that's what it reminds me of. It's like, here come Daryl. And I mean, if the governor hadn't mowed down all of his own people there and they didn't find them or whatnot, I could just see, you know, Rick, Daryl, and Michonne, let's go. And then like 50 people from Woodbury, you know, and they have to run away in the same manner, you know. I mean, I'm assuming had they gotten there and everyone was still active and not killed by the governor, that they wouldn't have, you know, staged a frontal assault. They would have sniped people. Um, they would have snuck into something. But, I mean, again, we don't know because we will never see that scene. It didn't happen that way. That was brilliant, Jim. But yeah, that, that is a funny image. <laughs> oh, by the way, I have, the, I have the list here that Carl gave to Rick of people that were killed because of Rick's decisions. Um, and he lists Dale, Lori, and Merle, all because of things that Rick had done. Uh, we also have a bunch of scenes, again, it keeps cutting back and forth, but with uh, with Milton and Andrea, and uh, he keeps almost dying, but then coming back while she's trying to get the pliers, and eventually uh, it gets to the point where he does die, and Andrea is desperately trying to use the pliers to cut through the, um, the handcuffs, which is not an easy task, and uh, she gets through one and is trying to get out the other as Milton is approaching her, and uh, we, we edit away from that scene at that point, so we don't see what happens until later. I think somebody on our Facebook page pointed this out. How in the world did she get out of those handcuffs with pliers? We could work on the links of the chain in between the handcuffs. Yeah, if you've got time, but she didn't exactly have time. She had a zombie. Well, I think by the t she got the pliers in her hand before he reanimated, didn't she? And then started working furiously, like as the moment as he started to reanimate. Well. I think that was the timeline. And there were like enough time. And I had like two different times that Monty Python came to mind to me this episode. The one when the Woodbury people are trying to attack the prison and they get chased out. It's like run away, run away. And then <laughs> and the second time it's with Milton because he keeps fading out. It's like nope, not dead yet. Nope, not quite dead yet. Nope. I feel better. <laughs> I liked his comment when he was telling her, "You need to hurry." It's like he yeah. just knew what was going on. 
as she's telling him, you know, I'm going to get, I'm going to get out of here. Then I'm going to, I'm going to get you help. We're going to be fine. And he tells her, which I thought was, I, I know people had problems with this scene and with other parts of the episode, but um, in the moment when I was watching it, at least, I thought that these scenes between them, regardless of her gumption for her get up and go for trying to get out of there, her dexterity of her feet and all that kind of stuff, regardless of that, um, this scene was a very good cap to both the Milton-Andrea relationship that we've seen through the season, um, but also to both of their arcs where she gives her justification for staying and realizes that it was a mistake. And we also get his fantastic death scene. Uh, Dallas Roberts, who plays Milton, um, did a great job. And, and seeing the cap to his story where in the beginning, when we first, well, not when we first see him, but like the second episode, um, where he and Andrea are working with uh, old Mr. Jenkins or whatever the guy's name was, where um, he died and, and, and Milton was so... Uh, reticent that no, 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 we can't kill him because I still think there are these memories or whatever to the point where now he realizes he's going to die and he tells her, you are not going to save me. When you get out of there, you're going to stab me in the head and you are going to end this. And, and just that, that character arc of his journey um, mixed with the death scene, I thought was very well done by Dallas Roberts. The whole time I'm watching that scene, I'm thinking, Andrea, you can multitask. girl. You can, <laughs> yeah. do, you can do two things at once. Don't stop trying to get the pliers while you're talking. I mean, you're, you know, pretty capable. Uh-huh. But I mean, yeah. I, I I think my only, the only real saving grace, the only excuse you can give for her acting slowly is she had already been tortured. Um, but because we didn't see any of that, not that I really necessarily wanted to, but because we didn't see any of that, we just see her with blood on her. We have no uh, grasp of the extent of what her injuries could be. And so there's no, the justification kind of falters at that point because she's a little bloody, but we don't know if she had, you know, what was done to her when she was stuck in that chair. You know what I mean? Plus she finally realizes that she had her chance and she blew it. I mean, she goes through the whole monologue with Milton explaining to him about, you know, she had the knife above his throat while he was sleeping. You know, she had her chance. She could have, you know, nipped this in the butt then. And she realizes that she, you know, she screwed up in that in that respect. You had one job, Andrea. <laughs> so Rick, uh, Daryl, and Michonne get to Woodbury, uh, which is, of course, being guarded by Tyrese and Sasha. And, uh, and also Karen's with them as well, I should mention. Um, and so they kind of have a, a standoff with uh, the prison group hiding behind a car and... Uh, Tyrese and Sasha behind the prison, or not the prison gate, but the Woodbury gates. And Karen steps up and explains to Tyrese, hey, Governor's crazy. He killed everybody. I'm the only person left alive, other than Martinez and the Bowman, of course. Um, and that Rick and Daryl and, and Michonne saved me. Um, we need to come to a peaceful agreement here. She she does, she does the Andrea better than Andrea was able to do. And uh, Rick makes a decision that, uh, hey, we're going to come out with our hands raised. Please don't shoot us, even though Tyrese, you're a terrible shot. And uh, when, when they come out, and it's funny because Daryl even has this moment of, wait, we're doing what now? And you can see it in his face. It's pretty funny. And so he, he looks so uncomfortable with his hands up, too. Like he, like he's never had to make that pose ever in his life, you know? Yeah. Um, when, when they get out, uh, Rick mentions, hey, Andrea never made it back to the prison. She could still be here. We need to try and find her. Um, and that's when they head to the interrogation room. Uh, they find the door shut and a pool of blood under the door, and inside they find Zombie Milton has been uh, dispatched. He's 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 a uh, ex parrot, and they find Andrea against the wall, and uh, she reveals that she's been bitten. She apologizes to the group, um, saying she, again she didn't want anybody to die, but you know this was her mistake. She messed up, um, and she also insists on 
putting herself out of her misery. She's not going to make anyone else do it. Um, so Andrea says goodbye to everyone. They have a couple short moments. Uh, and the others give her privacy, except uh, Michonne, who has tears running down her face and stays by her side. And we go outside the room, which I thought was actually a pretty cool shot of, uh, I believe it was Rick, Tyrese, and Daryl um, in the dark there outside the door. And we hear the shot. We don't see it. Um, and the episode ends with Rick and the group returning to the prison with everybody from Woodbury in a bus. Um, and they drive up. They kind of welcome everybody in. You can see Carl is not happy with this decision at all. Rick looks back at the catwalk where he'd seen Lori's hallucination the last few times, and she's not there. And, th- and then we uh, cut over to a cross on a grave, which is presumably Lori's, simply because of the way they cut from um, her not being on the catwalk. And uh, the episode fades out, and that is the end of season three. Same with Michonne and Andrea when everyone else leaves. Um, I just I thought... I thought this is like one of the best Michonne scenes that we've had. Um, it just seemed like it really, she, you know, she really had, had to show some some emotion on her face, and I thought she really did well in this scene. I thought that was it was pretty touching, you know, the, the friendship between the two of them. I would agree. Um, I think I keep thinking about the things we have been reading on their Facebook threads about different scenes, and um, we might as well bring up one of them now. M- Michonne's reaction to Andrea. Um, I don't remember the name of whoever said it. I really don't think it's important because there have been a lot of comments over the last two days. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. I think more than one person feels this way, but, and it's been something that's been touched on before in previous episodes, but this couple of people think that Michonne's reaction implies that Michonne and Andrea were at one point more than friends in the 10 months that that they were uh, by themselves. Which has been uh, hypothesized before, and it did really look the way that scene was framed, like she was going to kiss her at some point. Um, it would have been can weird. I, can, but I, can I just say one thing that nips all this in the bud? Does it really matter? Oh, ex- that's what I think. I mean, I mean, does it really matter whether they were or not? You know, obviously they're close. You know, whether they were sexual with one another doesn't really matter to me. I mean, you can tell they're obviously very close with one another, whether they were, you know, intimate or not. Ultimately, I think that whole argument's kind of moot because it really doesn't ultimately matter to the story or to the characters all that much, as long as you realize that they have a very close connection. That's where I was headed with it. Um, yeah. You know, I was going to be on the side of the fence that, that didn't get that um, feeling from that scene but also had also come to the conclusion that it really didn't matter one way or the other. You know, Andrew is dead now. So um, I also wanted to ask you guys, was I the only one that hooped and hollered when Andrea pulled her uh, jacket open and we saw the the bite on the neck? Did you guys well, well, raise sure your hands? Else did did you guys did. raise your hands in triumph and say about time? I, know. I was actually pretty surprised that she was bitten. I was too. I know there's a lot of Andrea hate. And I, I was leading the charge on the Lori hate back when she was alive, but um, I, I, you know, I was kind of surprised that they killed her off. Well, I was happy that they did because I've grown tired of, of uh, this Andrea. And um, like I said last time, I think Carol is closer to the Andrea in the comics than this Andrea has ever been. And another reason that I hooped and hollered though is because I, I won a bet. I bet my friend Chris, A, that Merle would die, and he said, I'll bet you six-pack he doesn't, 
And so I won. I said, okay, when are you going to give me a six-pack? He says, let's make it double or nothing. He says, I know you think Andrea's going to die. I say she lives. And I said, you're on. <laughs> so uh, I won a 12-pack of Shock Top as soon as she nice. pulled her, yeah, as soon as she pulled her uh, jacket open. But uh, in all seriousness, I'm glad she's dead. Um, sorry for Lori Holden. I think she um, acted uh, – I think she did – a great performance. I just can't stand that character, and I'm glad she's gone. So. Right, right. And I got to say, I mean, to, to illustrate how surprised I was that she was bitten, you know, when they cut away, when, when Milton comes back as a zombie, she's got one hand free, and they cut away. I was like, okay, that's kind of a cool dramatic moment, except that there's no way he's actually going to bite her. And so I was, I was. That's how surprised I was when she pulled the jacket aside and was showed that she was actually bitten. Um, yeah, you know, I, I kind of wish that the character got to stay around so they could redeem her more. But I also feel like um, in the speech she had to, or not speech really, but the conversation she had with Milton when they were trapped in the room and then later her talk with the group and with Michonne, um, I thought that bought her back enough that it still um, worked as a death for the character. Um, and yeah, I kind of, I mean, there's, there's enough people left on the show we can do without her. Carol, like you're saying, Brad has been has become really awesome. Um, and I could see her kind of taking an Andrea role, a comic book Andrea role um, in the show going forward. So um, it's sad to see Lori Holden go, but I, I think I think they handled that those scenes well enough for the show. I think I think they played well on screen. Speaking of Carol, she had my favorite zombie kill of the show. Uh, her and Beth in tandem uh, when they were, when the through the as you call them the heroic trio headed out to Woodbury. Uh, Carol kind of like gets the machete kill but it's holding it kind of like ew gross and then and then Beth gets you know the spike kill and the same deal she's like you know she's killing they're getting the zombie kills in but they're kind of still grossed out by it I thought that was a cool scene plus I know I know I always bring the show back to this for some strange reason but Carol had an awesome jacket this episode it was almost like the female version of the governor's jacket from last week's episode and uh when she was having her conversation with Daryl, where she hands out her hand to um, to Daryl, and 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 he takes it, and then they get up, and he's working on the bike. I think at that point, I I almost had a, a Sons of Anarchy moment. Where I was like, she's kind of looking like a biker at this point, and I'm liking that look for her. This episode was full, maybe not full, but I guess it was. If I'm giving it the rating, I'm giving it. It just put a cap on the what I think is the problem for Brad with this show is that the show always delivers too little too late for me, for Brad. Okay. Um, it delivered too little too late with the governor story with, you know, dragged out the Sophia story too long. Um, I was just real disappointed when this ended I expected, and maybe it's because I read the book, but I expected, like I said in a previous episode, buckets of blood. Um, I expected an all-out major death scene, death count. Death-a-palooza? Yeah, death-a-palooza. I like it. You should trademark that word. (laughs) Um, I just, you know, Andrea, Andrea's character never... uh, was never fully realized and that's unfortunate um i just think i don't know why this is happening but it feels like 
storylines are just being dragged out for way too long and then there's very little payoff and it just felt like this this episode felt like the lamest punchline to a, a joke ever for Brad I'm saying all this for me I was just really shocked at how angry I was when the episode ended I felt like I know it's an it's an overreaction and it's a bit extreme, but I felt betrayed by the producers and the writing staff for having stuck with the show for so long through some pretty low points and some great, wonderful high points to turn around and just poop on my face is what I felt like. Wow, don't hold back. Tell us how you really feel. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> telling you. It's... Uh, so you know, I, I think I understand what you're saying, but here's the thing: it wasn't the it wasn't the uh, the season ender that I was expecting, but that, I don't find that a bad thing. It's just different, you know. What I mean, it's not it's not better or worse than what I was expecting. It's just different, and uh, you know, based on that, you know, I'm not saying I'm getting pooped in the face, but I mean, like I was expecting maybe maybe more of a you know, slam bang. Uh, ending and I mean there were some explosions and stuff. I mean, granted, but um, you know, I I, I get what you're saying. I expected more, like you said, buckets of blood or, or more of a, uh, you know, a slam bang ending. And uh, this wasn't the ending I was expecting, but it was the ending I deserved. To okay, Batman. Badly quote Christopher Nolan. Um, I, I I thought it was a decent ending, but not what I was expecting. I just felt like we deserved more holy crap moments than we got. I mean, I, I can kind of see where you're coming from, Brad. I mean, Jim and I were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. We decided to hold it for the show. But I'm in a similar camp to to what Jim said in that, you know, I always say when we're talking about the show that more than anything else, I want it to surprise me to do things I'm not expecting. And this was certainly not the finale I was expecting. I mean, even going back to the live Facebooking of the episode, when the governor and Martinez and, um, uh, and the Bowman drive off and then we have Rick... Daryl and Michonne driving off, I, I assumed, hey, we're going to an OK Corral-style firefight. I'm assuming a showdown at the prison or showdown at Woodbury, something along those lines. And would that have been cool to see? Yes, but I was expecting it. So at a certain point, um, I guess, hey, Russ called it, and, and Russ uh, Russ wanted to be with us tonight. There's a big storm going through his town right now, and his internet is down. So uh, we're sorry he couldn't be here, and he is as well. Um, but, you know, he called the governor living and so what you know living through the episode and so while there wasn't the payoff to his story in this episode um we're, we're gonna get that i mean uh, it was announced yesterday and we, we didn't record on yesterday which was april fools partially because we wanted to see what the um whether this one story was true but amc has announced that um he'll be back for sure i mean he's going to be a, a regular on season season four uh, and not in the same capacity we saw him here that was another part of the uh, the Kirkman article I read about how the way they use the governor is not how you're going to expect him to be used next season. So um, I'm I'm definitely interested to see where that's going. I mean, they talked about the article a lot and how Walking Dead season four is going to be very different from Walking Dead seasons one through three. They don't say how, obviously, but where you think the show is going is not where it's going. And for me, that's exciting, even if. It wasn't a huge climax at the end of this episode. It was a bit of an anticlimax. It was a somber ending. It was um, 
kind of hopeful in a way, which is odd for this show where they, you know, they bring in the whole group from Woodbury to the prison. It's not what I was expecting, and it leaves a lot of options for where the show can go next season. And for me, that's that's a win, even if it wasn't a huge explosion firefight showdown at the OK Corral, which would have been cool, but it would have just been giving me exactly what I expected. I, I don't think this was the greatest episode ever. I mean, we'll give our busters here in a few minutes. Um, but I wasn't nearly as let down by it as you were, Brad, although I do understand why you feel that way. I just like my season finales to make me want more, to make me go, dang it, i got to wait six more months, and that did not happen this time. Well, yeah, in some ways, by leaving so many places for this, for it to go in season four at the end of this episode, they they almost overdid it in that you have no specific threads, no big threads anyway, to go, oh, I've got to see how that plays out. Yeah, how how Rick deals with Carl... Sure. What happens to the governor next? Sure. But there's not like a big question of, you know, like at the end of last season, they've escaped. They've escaped uh, the farm, not escaped the farm, but they've left the farm. There's a big explosions and we see the prison over the horizon. And so the question is, well, now they've got to survive on the road and we know they go into the prison. Awesome. We see where it's going. We don't have that. We don't have that carrot at the end of this. Uh, at the end of this season, we have kind of a, a plate of food of things of plate. This is a really weird analogy, but instead of having a carrot of this is where we're going next year, we have, Hey, here's 50 carrots, but none of them stick out more than the other. So you don't have a specific thing you can glob, glob onto in terms of, Oh, I can't wait till they get to that carrot. Uh, there's, there's a bunch of them. We also had the tease of Michonne at the end of season two. Uh, That's well. true. We also had her. Um, and we we weren't given any of those things at the end of the season, which probably is a negative. I think they should have given us one or two specific things in terms of, hey, check this out for next season. But I, I think with this show, they know with their audience, they're coming back. Um, and that shouldn't excuse them from trying, but they don't have to work nearly as hard, I think, to you know give us those carrots all the time. Although this would have probably been the place to give one or two of them. Yeah, you want to hook your audience for the next season, right? Right. I, I, I don't feel hooked, I'm and I'm sad by that. And speaking of the audience, this episode, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but again, uh, broke The Walking Dead's record for the most uh, viewers for any Walking Dead episode. And not only that, last night was also the season premiere of Game of Thrones, another show that Jim and I like quite a bit. Not only, I mean, and, and Game of Thrones had a, had, I think, its biggest numbers ever. But not only did Walking Dead beat Game of Thrones, which is not entirely surprising since it's um, premium cable and not as many people have um, access to it in the first place, but Talking Dead had its highest ratings ever. I think 5.2 million, and that's just off the top of my head. But their ratings for Talking Dead were actually higher than Game of Thrones episode uh, the episode's ratings, which I thought was interesting. That's because Redis was on Talking Dead, probably. Redis and Chad Coleman. And you've met Nicole Brown, and the three of them together were, were quite fun, I thought. Um, Plus, that would have been the second broadcast of Game of Thrones, um, not the first. I think they even beat the first broadcast, though. Even though they weren't airing at the same time, the... the, the Game, Game of Thrones and Walking Dead both had their premiere, or uh, they, 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 they both started at the same... They both started at 9 Eastern. So the first broadcast at 9 Eastern was... Um, would have been uh, at 10 Eastern for Talking Dead, which is on directly after, right? Right, but from what I, how I understood the article, 
the 10 o'clock airing of Talking Dead, well, the only t- airing of Talking Dead, still beat the 9 o'clock airing of Game of Thrones in terms of ratings. But like, like I said, one's premium cable, so it has a much smaller audience to begin with. Should we jump to uh, Busters, gentlemen? Let's do it. Brad, you want to go last? No, I'll do mine first so we okay, can end on ahead. a happy note. This is my least favorite episode of the season. Uh, like I said, I felt cheated and uh, um, betrayed. I know that's a, that's a strong word, but it's, it's accurate for Brad. Um, I gave it one buster until Andrea got killed, then I gave it two busters. Uh, I don't recall ever giving an episode of The Walking Dead two busters. It might have been two and a half, two seven five, but I don't think I've given a 2.0. I may have, but I don't remember last time. So, yeah, my mom always told me if you don't have anything nice, don't say it at all. So, two busters from Brad. And and overall as a season, how would you rate this season, either on a five-buster scale or versus seasons one and two? It's still my favorite season. Um, it's hard to to throw season one in there because there's only six episodes. Right, yeah. But each season had its own feel and its own theme, for lack of a better word. Um, season three has been my my. Season three has been my favorite season out of all of them. Um, it gets the top top slot. Very cool. Jim, same for you. How do you feel about this episode? How do you feel about this season overall and versus uh, the other seasons? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get slightly granular here and give this episode a 375. Um, like I said earlier when we were talking in our, our discussion there, I, it, was, it wasn't the episode I expected it to be. And, you know, maybe I was disappointed by that in some ways, but it was different than I expected. So, I'm, I mean, I always like to be kept guessing. I always like new different things. You know, you know, you know, I don't want to have to, you know, I don't want to expect everything that's coming. I don't want to know everything's coming. So it wasn't, you know, that it was better or worse than my expectation. It was just different from my expectation. Uh, so three, seven, five. And I give this whole season a, a four. A solid four. It's definitely my favorite season so far. So the the be, you know some of the better character arcs, some of the better performances I think we've seen in the entire series uh, for this season. So I give the whole, you know, season overall a four. I will give this episode a four. Um, and I, I can while I don't feel as strongly as Brad, I can definitely understand where he's coming from and agree to a lesser extent on a lot of his points. Things I didn't like about the episode, some um, things the characters did that didn't make total sense uh, how long Andrea had to fumble with the pliers that kind of stuff um, but the the on the opposite side of that coin how excellent her death scene was how great Milton's death scene was um, and a lot of other stuff like that I thought the whole thing with Carl and Rick was fantastic those really did bring the episode up as well so four for me um, I'll agree with everybody else I think this is my favorite season overall um, the, the second half of two was also very good but overall in terms of consistency this season had a couple little missteps episodes that didn't really stand up to the rest of the pack um, but it, it was the most consistent I think and the best season overall and I think I'll give the season 4.5 busters out of 5 again a few little things that didn't work for me but in general I, I was very happy with how it went uh, how did our friends on Facebook 
think uh, this this episode uh, stood up to the pack and how well this season stood up, Jim? Well, I mean, the uh, opinions seem to be all over the board about the uh, this episode in particular, uh, but generally uh, favorable on the uh, season overall. Uh, Roger Austin gave it a solid four out of, four hand cutting pliers, handcuff cutting pliers out of five. Uh, Merrick Terpachia gave it a four point two five. Was not expecting Andrea's death. Uh, Michael Santana, longtime poster, worst finale ever. Horrible. Now I know why Glenn Mazzara is gone. He probably actually wanted to end this story arc. Ouch. Uh, season was a three out of five at best because of the finale. Wow. Somebody agrees with you too. Uh, Michael agrees with you too, Brad. He's glad that Andrea is gone. Um, uh, Heather Campbell Fitch gave it five. Uh, what the F Carl's out of five. 4.5 for the season altogether. Uh, Paul Spatara, three out of five zombie Milton's for the season and the episode. Uh, the season was poorly paced with most of the excitement early on. Hmm, I don't know if I agree there. Uh, four out of five holy carp moments for this episode. <laughs> uh, three seven point seven five Carl moments for the season. That comes from our friend Susan Monk. Uh, Everard Santa Maria gives it a 4.75 nicely pedicured toes out of five. I wasn't looking at her toes during then. And 4.5 busters for the season. Uh, Crystal Cornelius, 4.5 emotional Michones. I did not see that coming. Uh, Mike Jones, 3 out of 5 at best, and that was for the governor scenes. Way underwhelmed. They could have taken Woodbury, uh, but bus seniors and kids to a blown-out prison. I, I, I think, you know, maybe the ending is throwing some people. Uh, 5 out of 5 bloody pliers from Newt Knight, 3.75. Uh, how many wide-open shots did Martinez have on the governor after he gunned down the whole truck? Uh, from Leslie Johnson. Uh, Adam says he agrees with those in the comment section, saying it makes no sense for the Woodbury people to move into the prison. Uh, four out of five. Um, I'd like to, you know, really quickly say that I think the reason Rick did that was to try to prove to Carl, you know, that he, you know, that there is some uh, worth in, in saving people, you know, in human life, that everyone is an enemy. Uh, but we'll see how that plays out in episode in uh, season four. Um, Pamela Burton at three point five. Um, we have a lot of discussion, of course, on the season finale, uh, and a lot of other things, uh, Walking Dead related, in our uh, Facebook group. You should definitely check it out for the full scoop, the Walking Dead TV podcast on the Facebooks. Check it out. So two things in response to the Facebook group there. Uh, first being Glenn Mazzara. Um, from everything we've seen, I think the comment was, I think Glenn Mazzara probably actually wanted to end things this season and not... Um, let it go open-ended. From everything we've seen, it was actually not that. It This was the season finale he wanted to do. Um, this was, you know, he was still on board at this point. The, the real dissension happened with what he wanted to do next season and possibly also with AMC's feeling about how he did end the season. So I think, um, the, I forget who commented that, but I think they might actually have it backwards, which is probably a good thing for us in that if this was what Glenn Mazzara wanted it and this is not how people like that ending well hey he's gone now so um and i we don't know for sure that's how it is but that's how it appears the second thing being uh jim the uh the argument over accepting people into the prison doesn't seem to be so much why did they accept people but why did they all go to the prison instead of everybody going to woodbury and, and that's a longer conversation we could have which is more defensible which is a better place to set up shop um there's certainly a lot less people now than there were when Woodbury was in its prime, since all those people got gunned down, um, which I think is a big concern. They they don't need as much space, 
But that seems to be where a lot of the question comes in, not so much why did they accept him, just why didn't everybody just go to Woodbury? Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, a lot of the supplies and the food and everything are in Woodbury. I mean, they keep saying in the prison how they keep running out of food and stuff. So, yeah, that's a good point. They can always bring the food over to the prison, though. <laughs> I mean, I think there are there are strong arguments to be made either way, that, hey, it's better to bring people to the prison, or, hey, it's better to bring people to Woodbury. We just didn't get any of that discussion in the episode because it ended more with um, wordless montage, and I'm sure that'll, be, that'll come up next season um, at some point. But I, I think there's a strong argument either way. I wonder if one of the points will be that they're saving them from uh, possible reprisals from the government, or from the governor, you know what I mean? I, mean, I think that's quite possible. You know, the prison's just more defensible than Woodbury is, as we saw time after time. Yes, the, the prison is not completely safe, but it takes a lot more work to get in there than it does to get into Woodbury. As far as the walkers go, it's easier to keep them out. Exactly. So what did our friends on Twitter think about this episode, Brad? Let's see. Whitney Green says that Walking Dead finale was pretty lame. I blame it on them playing musical showrunners since the series began. One buster. Ooh, she was... Even more uh, unforgiving than I was. Uh, Carl Hooker says four out of five geriatric filled buses. Governor going all Charles Whitman on his group was unexpected. Mini Governor Carl in the making. <laughs> uh, when I asked for Buster ratings, I said, "Give me your Buster ratings for last night's incredibly lame finale." And I put "incredibly lame" in parentheses. That was my own uh, little uh, editorial there. But uh, Rick Grimes, at Sheriff underscore Rick, says, it's never lame if we survive. (laughs) And I guess, you know, if I could get anything out of this, it's always to look at the bright side of life. Uh, Yes. This has been a a very Monty Python-centric episode, by the way. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm complaining. I was going to say there's nothing wrong with that. No, not at all. Uh, Poppy Persona says... Three alive governors. I teared up at the Andrea scene. I can't believe they're dragging out the governor storyline. Sammy Punk says three dropped pliers. If it was say episode four, maybe not so bad, but disappointing as a finale. Corey Newcomer, two and a half busters. Fantastic build up all season long, but the last episode went out with a whimper. I couldn't have said it better, Corey. Um Alex G says, oh, it wasn't that bad. Not the best, not the worst. Three busters, a bit generous, but I was glad to see the governor take out Alan. Yeah, I kind of was too. I don't think anybody's going to disagree with him there. Jeremiah Ralph says, I'd give the finale a salad four. It wasn't the scorched earth finale I expected, but I still enjoyed it. Anthony B says, three out of five. It was a great episode with many good points, but it's certainly not what we expected at all. Amy says, I give it three old ladies from Woodbury. Fine as a regular episode, but not a good finale. Uh, And Icarus Artukovic says, "Um, like around 4.3 busters. I expected more. I give it pie busters. (laughs) It's, um, it's, uh, I wouldn't, I, I don't think we could even call this a polarizing episode because it wasn't, black or white. I mean, there was all, pardon the expression, all shades of gray within, you know, these Buster ratings. Some people hated it, some people were meh, and some people loved it, so. But one thing we keep hearing over and over is that it wasn't what they expected it to be. This is true, and, you know, I, um, 
I've said before myself that one thing I enjoyed about the show was that it went places I wasn't expecting. You know, it went places I didn't uh, feel comfortable with or familiar with is the, is the right word because, you know, it wasn't in the comic. But I guess when it comes to a season finale, I want I want what I want, you know. And hey, not expected. I mean, some, just because something is unexpected doesn't mean it's good. You know, I just happen to think that the things in this episode that were unexpected, I liked. But there, you know, if, if next season comes back and Rick is suddenly in full clown makeup, that would be unexpected and probably not very good. So <laughs> I see, I would tune in to watch that. In <laughs> it's it's the crossover between Children's Hospital and uh, and Walking Dead. Actually, might not be that terrible, but it would certainly be unexpected. And so we've got one last voicemail, but it's four minutes long, and we we love voicemails. Um, but this one's from Heather, and she can't believe nobody liked the finale. And as we were just talking about, there's a varied, uh, a wide range of opinions about it. I'm not going to play the voicemail because, it's, like I said, it's four minutes long, and she basically hits all the points uh, that we spoke about over the last you know hour and fifteen minutes. So. Um, Thank you, Heather, for leaving that voicemail. And again, we love voicemails. I'm sure we'll do a uh, another episode soon, make perhaps a season three wrap-up, a look at everything. Russell said he wants to be back on the wrap-up show he, since he wasn't here on this one. Send us more voicemails. Um, we will play them on that show. Give us your opinions about the season as a whole. Um, compare this season to the other season and um, seasons, and uh, we'll uh, we'll get you in on the show. Anything else for this episode, gentlemen? I think we're done. I think we're done for this season. We'll, of course, be back soon with another episode. Like like Brad said, we're going to do another feedback episode or two, talk about news for the upcoming season, talk about lots of Walking Dead stuff, so keep it locked on to walkingdeadtv.com uh, for all that information. We should also mention, because Russ is not here tonight, um, we're going to be upgrading the website soon, and hopefully everything goes smoothly. But there is a small chance that all of a sudden you'll notice hey, my podcast feed isn't updating. There's been no episodes in a week or two weeks or three weeks or whatever. Um, if that happens, it probably just means that because we upgraded the website, which will be happening, I believe, uh, the end of April, beginning of May, um, that some of the file names just changed. And what you'll basically have to do is resubscribe to the feed. So just you know, delete the feed, resubscribe, and everything should be fixed. We do apologize if that happens. We're, we're, you know, Russ, I'd say I'm doing everything I can, but I know nothing about this. Russ will be doing everything he can to make sure that that doesn't happen. But hey, it's technology. It's not always 100% perfect, and sometimes these things happen. So if you notice your episodes are not updating in a couple weeks, hey, just go and resubscribe. Everything should be fixed just like that. And there is a very, very slight chance that you might explode. Yeah, uh, again, we can't we, we can't <laughs> confirm or deny, but, you know, proceed at your own risk. It's the Internet. You never know when you're going to explode. We cannot be held responsible for anyone who explodes. You have been warned. There's our disclaimer. So if you would like to send us a voicemail that will probably not make you explode, you can do so at 516-468-7912, 516-468-7912. Like we said, we'll do another feedback episode here pretty soon. You can also send us an email, comments at walkingdeadtv.com. That's comments at walkingdeadtv.com. You can send us regular emails. You can always record an MP3 if you don't want the uh, you know telephone static of a voicemail. Record us an MP3, send us a faux voicemail that way, and we'll be just as happy to play it. 
Don't forget to check out all of our shows on Facebook and hhwlod.com for all those great shows, Half Hour Wasted with Brad, Legion of Dudes with Jim, uh, John, Russ, and myself, uh, The Black Box, Out Now with Aaron and Abe, what's coming up soon, which will be uh, Jersey Shore, so look forward to that one. And like we said, all those shows can be found on Facebook as well. Uh, on Twitter, you can follow us at WDTV Podcast and at hhwlod underscore network. And so until there's no more room in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember, shoot first. Ask questions later. Have a good week, everybody. I'm sorry you caught me off guard. I'm sorry, I thought I was supposed to throw it to you. No one expects Jim's Inquisition. Remember, you either... So until there's no more room left in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember, you either kill... I'll do that one later. You either kill or you die, or you die and you kill. Whatever the line was. Everybody died. Did you guys explode? No. (laughs) There's no more room in hell and the the dead walk the earth, remember, nobody wants to ride shotgun with the governor. Are you getting in there? I'm not getting in there. I'm not getting in there. You get in there. I'm Martinez. I have an actual name. I'm just known as the Bowman. I guess I have to sit in there. <laughs> My gun's too big to fit in the front seat, so i got to go in the back. <laughs> so if calling shotgun is sitting in the front seat, is calling Bowman or calling, you know, bow and arrow sitting in the back? We need to come up with a phrase for this. Calling Bowman. I mean, didn't he sit in the back? I don't remember. Mm, I have to go back and look. So many layers. ha, ha, ha.